The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, everyone in Australia. Hello, everyone in the US. I hope you're having a wonderful evening. You're listening to your host, Tony Lontis, live on Radio Tony. And just a reminder, if you want to know more about my show, jump on to my website, tonylontis.com. That's T-O-N-I-L-O-N-T-I-S.com. My Facebook page is Tony Lontis, and my uh, Radio Tony Facebook uh, page is also up for you and will be in the chat box. So we are currently working on a brand new website for Radio Tony where you'll be able to get all your information in one spot rather than going to my site and having to wade through the information to find it. So I've had some amazing conversations this week, one of which I'll be talking about a little later. Um, I'm also launching my first uh, tour to the Philippines in May and it's going to be called Transformational Tours with Tony and we will be going to the Philippines to experience a tour with a difference. So flying into Manila where you'll be welcomed with a welcome pack and you'll then go on to experience the Spanish Quarter and understand a bit more about the Philippines culture. We'll take some tours by a horse and cart around the Spanish Quarter and visit some spectacular churches and museums and then some lunch and on to an area where we are sponsoring a feeding project finishing off with a cultural dinner and dancing overnight in Manila. I'm going to go to a place called Kalana Village, GK Village in the Philippines, and we're going to experience a stay with a local family so that you can experience that uh, immersion in the real-life Philippine village. From there, the next day, we're going to go and visit uh, – a famous volcano and the beautiful lakes that surround it. And in the evening, we're going to go to Sonia's Secret Garden Restaurant and Day Spa and experience a massage and a beautiful organic dinner. 
The next day we're going to fly from Manila to Coran. Coran is one of the most beautiful islands in the Philippines. We're going to have lunch and a free afternoon and then we'll have a relaxing dinner. And we'll talk about your experience volunteering in the Philippines and experiencing the feeding program. The next day we'll do some island hopping across the Philippines from Coron and some snorkeling. Um, Friday, our second last day, we'll do a little bit of a workshop, a tour to one of the famous uh, mountains where we have some stunning uh, shots and back to the therapeutic hot springs to relax and enjoy a celebration and farewell dinner on the final night and then on Saturday we'll fly back to Manila. So that's my first tour to the Philippines. Um, if you want more information, just pop on to tonylontis.com and check out the offer that we have at the moment. You can pay your deposit right now and join us in the Philippines and have a transformational tour with me. So one of those conversations that I had this week was with a wonderful girl by the name of Tasha Walton. Tasha is the head of development and the associate producer at Global Watch Films. So during her university, she began working part-time with Global Watch Films as the associate producer, and she went full-time after graduating. Her experience is in writing scripts, reports, and synopsises, and combines her passion for history and her passion for film. So Global Watch Films is a British film production company that was set up to produce feature films for global distribution. It was their goal to build a company into one of the, the leading independent film and TV production companies in the UK. And they wanted to become known as producing award-winning films. They've already run, won a number of awards, including Best Feature Film Award for their film Boogeyman in the Cardiff International Film Festival in 2018. They believe that investing in feature films prior, uh, via approved schemes uh, plus other tax-efficient vehicles can create a very rewarding environment for film investors. It's their opinion that and critically important that the subject matter of the film, the quality of the screenplay and the global marketability of the film are paramount in enabling both the new and professional film investors to maximise their returns and share in the billions of dollars of profit that are generated by the best films produced. So the reason I was talking to Tasha this week was that uh, she had approached me to talk about on air their new film called Fled. Now, Fled is an epic tale of heroism. It's a feature film written by an Australian writer. So there's the connection. Um, the Australian writer called Meg Keneally. And it's based on her debut novel of the same name. So Keneally might be a name that you're familiar with. Meg is the daughter of famous novelist Thomas Keneally, the author of the Man Booker Prize winning novel Schindler's List. And she has clearly inherited her father's storytelling, storytelling skills. She recently received rave reviews from the New York Times on the release of Fled in the US. By having Meg skillfully adapt her own novel, the screenplay has retained her style and storytelling abilities and has proven to be top have received 
top marks by the LA screen coverage agencies. It's based on the true story of an 18th century English highwaywoman, Mary Bryant. Fled follows her sentence of transportation to one of the first penal colonies in Australia and her daring escape to freedom. She, along with her children and a small group of accomplices, set out to return home. Not only did she face further persecution on her arrival in London, but as the only broken and battered survivor, Mary became renowned as a symbol of hope and resilience. This film is produced by Global Watch Films team and adapted into a world-class screenplay by Meg Keneally. And it looks like it's going to be one of the biggest films of the decade. The, their director, Elizabeth Blake Thomas, will lead the project uh, and she will be directing the female protagonist and her male supporting cast along with all female heads of production. The film is not just about telling Mary Bryant's story, but it's about answering Hollywood's call for gender equality. Currently in finance and attachment stage, the packaging of the film before it goes into production, the Global Watch team are looking to link with individuals and companies in Australia to bring this story to the big screen. For more information, jump onto the Global Watch uh, website, which I'll put up in the chat box. Um, it, uh, it's one of many incredible screenplays that are on Global Films slate at the moment, several of which are adapted from Thomas Keneally's novels. Uh, but all highlight a movement in human history when innocent people face the injustices of sexism, political corruption, war and famine, to name a few. So I'm going to pop Global Watch uh, website up into the chat box and we have some wonderful questions coming through. So Ivy wants to know, can anyone go on my Philippines tour? Absolutely, Ivy. I would love people from across the world to join me in my first tour of the Philippines because I think it will transform you in mind, body and soul. And my aim is to incorporate not just a tourism type escape but to immerse you in the culture of the country so that you get to experience what it's like to live in the Philippines and also for those people who haven't volunteered before or who haven't had the chance to live and work closely with anyone in the poorer villages across the world I want to give you that experience so Ivy if you jump onto tonylontis.com, you'll find all the details under the tab Events and Tours. Harper, where did you get this idea from? Well, Harper, a good friend of mine who runs tours to Bali and who I have been going on her tours for many, many years, um, and her tours always leave me feeling really refreshed and like I've had a break. And so I wanted to incorporate that in my tours, plus expose people to um, working with the poor and volunteering and package that up into a tour to a country where people may not have been before. So the Philippines is um, about an eight, nine-hour flight from Australia and so it's kind of far enough away that you're going internationally, but they have lots of issues around uh, poor. And the, the company that I've partnered with to deliver these tours provides 
social, socially conscious uh, tours whereby if you come on the tour, you're not just getting a holiday but you're creating uh, wealth and a social, social enterprise for those people in the Philippines, particularly in Manila and on the island of Coron. So I kind of look at it as you get a holiday and an experience with a difference and the people and the places that we go to get our money, which helps them enormously because the Philippines is a very poor country. So Ivy, if you on in the US, the prices for my tour are in Australian dollars. So you'll need to convert that. So for Americans wanting to come to the Philippines with me, all you have to do is pop on and let me know and I'll do the paperwork and organising for you. Uh, if you come from um, America, it will work out to be a very cost-effective tour and holiday experience for you. Um, and back to Harper's question about the idea. Uh, again, I'd been with my friend on holidays to Bali in Indonesia and enjoyed the experience immensely and I wanted to create something of my, my own that has my own Tony Lantis signature uh, to it. And when I started thinking about that, I was then able to partner with a company called Trips Plus who they're very being means that they design tourism around something that gives back to you in terms of a lovely holiday and something that gives back to the people. They also have uh, accreditation for B Corp, which means that their money is invested into the places that they go to. So this means that their money is invested into the Philippines and particularly the poorer uh, villages and people. And by doing that, they give the Philippine people a job created by tourism. They give people from better countries and Western countries the opportunity to, to experience volunteering if they haven't done before and also to sponsor a feeding program. So all of those things spoke to me in terms of wanting to give back to uh, the country that I was visiting and also wanting to give people a holiday that they come back from feeling rejuvenated. So you'll get to spend time with me one-on-one -on -one and in a workshop situation and then we all get to enjoy the incredible experience of being in the Philippines, enjoying that tropical wonderland, seeing all the great spots but with a full-time guide who speaks the local language and understands the local people and gives you a very unique experience of the Philippines. And so, Harper, that's why I wanted to do that. And as it's my first tour, I'd really love some of my Radio Tony listeners to jump on and join me on that tour. That would be a really fabulous thing from my perspective because I get to see and talk to you every week but to actually meet and talk and get to know you in, in the personal environment of a holiday would be fantastic. So 
I'm just about out of time. We're going to pop on a quick break. But when I come back, we will be talking to the amazing Maria Fontana. Maria is a passionate entrepreneur, published author, intuitive business consultant and growth strategist. She is a salon owner, educator, speaker and has 25 years of experience in business and personal development and she drives wonderful exposure and growth for her clients. So we're going to pop on to a quick break and when we come back, we will have the glorious Maria Fontana live on air with us. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. And welcome back to Radio Tony. This morning we have live on air with us the wonderful Maria Fontana. And she is not only an amazing author and entrepreneur, she is passionate about intuitive and guided imagery, meditation and mindset practices that stem from her spiritual connection to energy and light form. Welcome to the show this morning, Mariana. Hey, Tony, how are you? Nice to be here. I'm good, thank you. How's your week going? My week was awesome. How about you? Really busy, but fabulously good, and I'm glad I've made it to Friday and get to talk to everyone <laughs> on Radio Tony and you in particular. Oh, thank so, you. So, Maria, I wanted to start today by talking about your background and what led to you being this amazing author and on, entrepreneur and coach. Well, we'll start out from the beginning. What led yes. me to be, well, my, my upbringing. So I was um, first born of Italian immigrants who came yes. to the United States. And, you know, there was lots of dysfunction in my house, lots of turmoil, lots of, you know, things that weren't right, we could say. You know, my parents were yes. only doing the best they could with what they knew how. Yeah. And growing up as a child, there was, you know, there was a lot of stuff that um, most people would call traumatic. It was a traumatic upbringing. You know, once again, they had their own struggles, their own issues. And, of course, you know, they, they didn't even know they were doing their kids any harm. Like I said, they were doing the best they could with what they knew how. Yes. So fast forward, um, when I became an adult, my goal was to be successful, to not be poor, to have money, to be able to make everyone happy because I yeah. thought that was the solution to all the trauma, all the dysfunction, all the, the fighting, yeah. the you know, the internal nonsense that was in the family. Yeah. Um, 
So at an early age, I decided that I was going to go on my own and start a business. So I started my first practice at 19 years old while I went to school full time. And that was my first business um, as a salon owner. Yeah. Yeah. So um, during all this, though, of course, I didn't start my personal development till I was older. And um, I had a successful business. I made six figures in the 90s when nobody did that. And I quickly learned that money was not going to fix anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a commodity that, you know, it was for a service well rendered. And I was very successful at a young age. But as I evolved, um, then I wound up, fast forward, I wound up getting married into a tumultuous marriage that mirrored my family's neediness, my family's dysfunction, and all that turmoil that I was brought up with, the limiting beliefs, the, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And they were just so unhappy with themselves that, of course, it trickled down to us as, as, as children. Yeah. And at this point, I hit rock bottom, honestly. I didn't realize, I mean, I wound up always having, you know, I was always sick as a young woman. Um, I was a workaholic. I just was constantly trying to strive to be enough, to get that approval, to see everyone happy, not realizing, of course, that that was not my responsibility. I was the fixer, the doer, the good daughter, the good mother, the good sister, the good wife, you know. So when I crashed and burned, I was about 30 years old after my first daughter was born, Isabella. I I had a breakdown after she was born. Everything came up. It was like a volcano of emotion that could not be quelled. I still didn't know what was wrong with me because I still didn't know that there really was anything wrong with me. Oh, no. I found a healer and... um, that's when my healing journey began. And I realized yeah. I was suffering with massive anxiety. The chest pains at night were anxiety, stress. I was not able to, f- I couldn't function anymore. I had hit rock bottom in a massive depression. Even though I had found financial success early on, I was now married. I had this beautiful baby, but that's when everything just imploded in me. But that was, yeah. that was the good thing. That yeah. was when the change happened because yeah. I hit the wall and I started working on myself. Yeah. I found a yeah. healer, a therapist. I started working through all my pain, all my family dysfunction. Now, mind you, this took 18 years of work. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, it takes a while once you start working on yourself, doesn't it, Maria? And it's, it's not always easy, is it? It's pretty darn hard work when you start working on yourself. It's really hard. And there was days yeah. that I didn't want to go to my healer or my therapist. There were days where I'm like, damn, I don't want to go. I feel worse when I go there. But that's because the the change and the transformation, the resistance is where the growth happens. And, and every right. time I didn't want to go that next step and deep dive even deeper to healing something, because as you, as you heal, and especially, especially, and everyone's so afraid to talk about this, yes. when you're healing from family dysfunction and you have to start making boundaries, I didn't even know what that word meant. I had to create boundaries with my own family. 
I had to create ways to nurture myself, love myself. Those things were all foreign to me. So it was learning a whole new dance. So let's just tell the listeners what boundaries are, how you create them, and why you should. So here's a perfect example of a boundary. And I use this all the time with my clients. Yes. You are invited to a dinner at someone's house. It could be a relative. We'll say it's a relative because it's more classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that's going to cause you severe anxiety. You know it always turns into a fight. You know it always ends ugly. You know it's just not going to make you feel good. So I believe in if it doesn't make you feel good, then you may need to reevaluate what you're doing. So, so everything, a boundary is gauged by your feeling. So instead of going to that dinner, that's going to last three to four hours, that's going to torment you and bring you always to a place of anxiety, start changing things around. Let me get back to you on that is a perfect answer. Let me, let me think about it. Let me get back to you on that. And then when you get back to them, I can't make it for dinner but I'd be love to stop by for dessert at seven. So then you have dessert and coffee and it's a half hour and it's over. Yeah. Or, you know, shift things out and say, you know what? I'm not able to thank you for thinking of me, but I'm just not able to do that. A boundary is teaching people what's okay for you. Teaching people how to treat you is a boundary. Yes. It's really important if you come from a background of trauma and dysfunction, it's something that you very much need to learn to do. And I know from my experience and probably yours too, Maria, it's hard when you first start setting boundaries. But once you start to do that, life becomes better because you're valuing yourself and your needs in that equation. So if it's going to make you anxious, why do it? You know, so often we do these family things, for instance, out of obligation. And work things. Yeah. Anything. Anything. Even with clients. Any relationship. You have to come out of a conversation, a sales call, a dinner, a coffee date, a lunch date, anything, any relationship you go into, you have to come out of that feeling good, be it a conversation or something bigger. If both parties aren't coming out of that with something good, then there's something off alignment here. Yes. Yes. I've got some questions coming in, Maria. Oliver wants to know, was this from your husband and child? So I guess he's talking back to that time uh, prior to your uh, divorce what was the anxiety from my husband yes. and child yes. well it wasn't yes. from my child but my husband yes because my yes. husband was also bipolar and he mimicked he also was just another person I was babysitting because he he mimicked yes. everything I I was just taking care of another person but my yes. child now had nothing to do with my child yeah yeah and Leo wants to know, should you ever confront the cause of your feelings? Great question, Leo. What do you think, Maria? So it, this is my personal opinion from my massive healing, from, from really breaking through from 
being rock bottom to living a life of joy and abundance and really re-attracting true love into my life because I am remarried. I have an amazing husband who's my soulmate. So yes, my my belief, because you know, as an energist and a healer, also mm-hmm. I feel our feelings are the GPS, the barometer. That's mm-hmm. gonna tell you what is right for you and what isn't. So if something feels off, your intuition's probably telling you it is. A feeling is a gauge. And yes. when we ignore those feelings, you're gonna stuff them and they're gonna come out physically in a disease in your body. So you can only Put those feelings away for so long. They're eventually going to come out and get you because they're saying, hey, listen to me. You're not honoring your gut. You're not honoring your soul. You're you're stuffing feelings. You're you're going against what's right for you. It could be a barrage of things. So my answer is absolutely. You should always honor and feel your feelings. If you can't process them yourself, find a healer, find a therapist, find someone who's going to help you move those feelings through you. Or talk to someone like Maria. So listeners, just so you know, I've popped up all Maria's contact details for all her social media, her uh, websites, and also a link to book a call with her. So just so you know, that's there. Um, The way you confront those feelings is you should think about them within yourself first, shouldn't you, Maria? I agree. Think about them within yourself, but I'm a proponent of don't think too much. Use your inner guidance. Let your your soul, let your real higher self, you know, your, your inner knowing will tell you what's right and what's wrong for you. So yeah. once you really feel those feelings, like I said, you may need someone to help you process them, depending on where you're at, if they're they're deep rooted. And and as we go through on this conversation, the my healing journey is how I wrote Love and Light, because that yeah. was my journal of how I was processing and going through things that to me, an intelligent, successful woman in, in you know, yes. the, the 2000s, yes. I had no idea that I mattered. I've had no idea that all these little things that I worked through were so important and I decided to put them in print and share them with the world because I'm like, so many other people need to know this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing too is that you don't always have to confront the cause. If you right. learn how to put boundaries around what is acceptable to you, then you mm-hmm. may not need to confront the cause head on. Is that right, Maria? Like by recognizing your boundaries, you can then put them around you and you may not need to actually confront the cause because you've put yourself first in the situation Mm -hmm. and created a barrier between you and what's causing you angst and anxiety. Right. And and another really important factor in my healing of really processing and just coming out on the other side of all this in my life was learning to have no expectations. So let's just say you have a very tumultuous relationship with a parent or a family member, a sibling, whatever it may be. Yeah. You have to really say to yourself, I cannot have an expectation Because with the expectation will come disappointment because people don't change unless they go work on themselves and you have to meet them where they're at. 
once you meet them where they're at, then you can say, you know what, I can love you from a distance. And you can do that. It will take practice. You don't have to cut people out of your life completely, but you can yeah. love them from a distance in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. Mason wants to know, how can we learn to listen to our inner voice? Another great question, Mason. Yes. So, Mason, the biggest way to listen to your inner voice is to have some quiet time, yes. to listen to some beautiful healing music to spend a few minutes a day meditating and even if you've never done it to just be quiet with yourself and when you get a nudge or that feeling let's just say you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you're like something just makes you feel I need to go left instead of right today yeah that's your inner voice speaking so when our inner voice comes from a place of love your inner voice, your intuition, your gut, that's always from a place of love. It's never from a place of fear. Yeah. When you feel fear or fear-based more thoughts, that's the ego talking, which is trying to protect mm -hmm. you. So you can just say, hey, ego, thank you for your help, but I don't need to hear that today. Just be quiet. And then go back to listening to your gut. Yes. The gut will yeah. always guide you to the right place. And it takes practice, but the more you're quiet, the more you just take it, breathe, Into it. relax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oliver's just clarifying. The question was actually meant as, did you need to form boundaries with your husband and child or was it with others? So it wasn't my child. I had to form about very tight boundaries with my ex-husband. That was my okay. ex-husband now. And yes. yes, with family members, with clients, with friends, I was the yes girl. So I was like the candy man. So yeah. yes, I want to please you. Yes, 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 yes. It was always yes, taking care of people. Always, that was my whole pattern in my younger, in my life. Yes. So yes, it was very clear I, as I started to heal and grow. And I will tell you, Oliver, and I tell all your um, listeners, yeah. When you start creating boundaries, there's going to be a lot of people really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> because the candy man, now I'm pulling the bag of candy back to myself and saying, hey, you know what? I need this candy for myself. Yeah. I can't keep handing you candy. Yeah. Yes, you do get that. Um, it, it, it can be quite vicious, but you just uh -huh. got to stay the course because once you've done it, you will get stronger. Won't you, Maria? You get stronger and more used to putting those boundaries around yep. yourself it, and it your becomes, life becomes better. Yes, and it becomes second nature. I remember the first, in the beginning, me too, when I had to learn to say no or I didn't answer a phone call or I didn't answer a text or I didn't answer, can you do this, can you do that? And with being also a businesswoman, and, and I did own a number of salons, so I never said no to anyone, anyone that needed me. It, it took time, but as I was like, no, that's not good for me, but I am available this time, or no, you know what, let me get back to you on that. And when you tell people just, you know what, let me get back to you on that, or let me think about it, let me get back to you, and you end it there, and you don't allow them to keep, you know, pushing you into saying yeah. yes, they eventually will learn. Or, this is what I found too, they were will wither away like dry leaves and just fall out of your life. Yeah. <laughs> they just leave yeah. because they can't get anything out of you anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a good thing because it allows you to further walk in your life path or what you're meant to do. 
doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. And and I and I work when I work with my six and seven figure, you know, uh, CEOs and business owners. It's the same thing in business. If they don't have clear boundaries as, as to who they want to work with, who they're serving, what they want it to energetically feel like, and it is about how it's going to feel. I make them do intuitive inner work and, and guided imagery to imagine with intention who are the people that you're working with. Does that person bring you joy? And yeah. it, it, it's all it's all a marriage of personal development and business because if you don't have your own self together, you are not going to be successful and happy in your business. I don't care what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you did all this hard work on yourself and that drove you in a bit of a different direction didn't it maria it you wrote the book um and do you want to just while before i don't want to lose out on mentioning the book do you want to tell our listeners about your book I do. I, I want to share. So I wrote my book, Love and Light. Um, I'm very connected to angels, beings of light, energy, healing, guided imagery. And I, I did, while I was working on myself, I did go back to school and I became certified as an integrative healing practitioner and transformational coach out of passion. I was like, you know what? I really love this. I want to know more. <laughs> so, yes. um, and I became certified in all these different modalities to be able to help my clients more. The book is really a story of self-development. It is a type of book that you can open up any day and just that's your message for the day. It's about love. It's about light. It's about healing. It's about taking care of you and bringing you to the next level of yourself. And, And even if you're not ready to start working on yourself heavy duty, this book is... It's me talking. It's not filtered. It's not edited. This was this is what set my book apart. It's just me writing my mm. story with tips and tools. So what I found so many people love about my book is that it's simple to read. It's it's they can open it up at, to any page and that's the message for the day. And it just gives them so much motivation and so much insight that they have something to look forward to. They have something to follow, something to believe in. And it, it has been changing lives. And I'm really proud of that. Absolutely. And absolutely you should. Um, and listeners can get your book on your website, can't they? They can, if they'd like, I, I have an offer for a free download. If they'd like a digital download, they can go to yes. mariafontana.com. If they'd like to get a hard copy or a Kindle copy, they can just go to Amazon. And just put in Love and Light Maria Fontana and I will pop right up globally wherever you're at. Fantastic. So you now work in the realm of combining your love for business mm-hmm. and your love for energy and light work. That's correct, isn't it? You use those combinations to drive businesses and people forward. Yeah. Yeah, I, I help them align their intuition and business strategy to help them create profits. And it's yeah. a beautiful marriage. And I want your listeners to understand this too. When I first started on this journey of marrying the two, yeah, I was met with resistance from once again, people closest to me, friends, family, colleagues, other business people in the business world. Oh, 
don't don't do that. It will it's going to discredit you. Don't mix the two. They're and I went I, as I do always. I said absolutely not. I'm following my gut on this. It's the yeah, best yeah. thing I ever did because that's what sets me apart. Okay. My 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 intuitive business consulting is like no other because I marry personal development, intuitive work, healing, business strategy, and people get results. And yeah. really, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And people don't necessarily have to be in business to work with you. You can work with people just on a personal level, Maria. I do work, or yep. Is, yes. Yep, I work with people on a personal level. I have a lot of um, people who are female entrepreneurs and they want to just work with me on a personal level. And you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You just have to want to move the needle in your life yeah. to, a, to yeah. the next place. So before we run out of time, and I can't believe this session has gone so quickly, I'm going to pop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pop up Maria's um, link for those of you who would actually like to book a complimentary call with Maria. I'm going to pop that link actually back up in the chat box for any of you who would like to talk to Maria. Oh, thank Uh, you. Maria's in New York, in the US. That's correct, isn't it? I'm in New Jersey in the U.S. Yep, Ten, 20 minutes out of New York. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why I had New York in my brain. That's okay. <laughs> um, and, and, and that lovely, lovely, rich accent as well. So, Maria, <laughs> um, <laughs> we are almost out of time, but I just want to leave the last couple of minutes for you to okay. talk about your um, intuitive guided imagery and meditation if you'd like to do that I'd like to do that and I also would like to share with everyone I am bilingual so I do coach and consult in Italian and in English <gasps> just so people could know <laughs> um, I do have many clients in Italy and globally um, another important thing that I want everyone to remember listening to this podcast you can do anything you want If you want to start a business, I don't care if you're 20, 30, 60, 70, you can create a business out of any passion you have. Agreed. You have the power to heal yourself. You have the power to make decisions beyond rationale because it is our intuitive gifts that we all have. I'm not any different than any of you. Mine's just fine-tuned because I have worked on it. But everyone can do that. Capacity. Right. So if you want to learn how to fine tune your intuition, connect with your inner knowing, start making better choices in your life, in your business, then I would love to hop on a call with you. There's no obligation, no strings. We chit chat. Sometimes what happens in 15 minutes can change your life. Exactly. I highly recommend jumping on a call with Maria, um, particularly if you're in the US, but of course, all over the world. As usual, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show, Maria. And we are fresh out of time. I hate to leave, but um, the listeners have, it's been wonderful having you on the show again. And we're going to pop on to the break, listeners. And when we come back, we have another phenomenal person for you to meet called Renee Michelle. Um, And I will introduce her after the break. Thank you, Maria, for being on Radio Tony. Over to you, Rebel. 
Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audio formats, Resilience is a true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Tough conversations on the social and moral issues of our time with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Radio Tony on W4WN. And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Tony Lontis live on Radio Tony. Our next guest is the most delightful person I know. Her name is Renee Michelle. And she is first and foremost a devoted mother, but she's also an unstoppable force, steadfast, persistent, and committed to a living a life fueled by purpose. She is founder and director of RumineeMichelle.com and a highly sought-after child abuse and trauma recovery coach for high-performing professional women around the world. She's a speaker, consultant, advocate, and she shares her remarkable story and expertise to influence and impact service provision, care, protection, and support strategies for child abuse victims globally. To say Renee's capacity to build a thriving life, enjoying fulfilling relationships and to become a successful solopreneur that has defied the odds is an understatement. Surviving decades of sexual, physical and psychological abuse, commencing at the age of 10, the very people Renee looked to for safety and protection violated and abandoned her. Broken, battered and ashamed, with no one to turn to for help, she suffered an agonising silence for 16 years. Addictions, violent relationships, suicide attempts, self-harm and further assaults were Renee's reality until the age of 26. With the birth of her first child and Renee's life changed forever. In 2019, Renee's autobiography, Battle Scars Are Beautiful, From Victim to Victory, was published with endorsements from psychotherapists, law enforcement and first responders, and it has reached four out of the seven continents across the world. Renee's superpower is undoubtedly her ability to rapidly identify her clients' deeply entrenched mindset blocks, limiting beliefs and accelerate healing and transformation, all of which have made her a respected authority in the field of child abuse recovery for adult survivors. Good morning, Renee. Good morning, Tony. How are you, beautiful? I'm really good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Just for the listeners, Renee and I have become one friend and I was so excited when she agreed to come on my show this week because we have some powerful subjects to say and to give you information about. So, Renee, I thought that we'd start just in briefly talking about how you grew up and what that meant for you as you approached adulthood. Yeah, look, my childhood was a very, very lonely time, Tony. Uh, As you mentioned in the intro, I started being abused at the age of 10 years old. Our family was quite dysfunctional. My mother became an alcoholic and the men that she brought into the home became my abusers. 
Now, I kept very, very silent about this. I uh, hid that from her because in my mind she was uh, all I had. My father was no longer in the home. She was my everything. So even though I was confused yeah. because she wasn't there to protect me and, and you know, these things were happening, it was such a conflict for me because she was my mum. So I kept, I kept silent about that. And we grew up in country towns where those things were definitely not discussed in the 80s. And I, I just had no one to turn to. And up until the age of 16, that was a regular occurrence until I left home. And then, as yeah. we know, the cycle of trauma continued to perpetuate itself in many violent relationships and um, self-destructive living. And that's the thing about childhood trauma. Um, number one, many, many, many victims do not talk about it. They do not tell a soul. Often until some people are in their 70s and 80s before they disclose that, that history and uh, start to get help and that is something that people need to recognize that just because you stay silent doesn't mean that something bad has happened it just means that you stayed silent um, so as you went into your adult years the cycle continued to play out and that's something else I'd like to talk about Renee is the fact that one are in an abuse cycle it continues to play in your life until you get healing correct correct absolutely absolutely and what what people don't understand is that trauma affects the core of who we are and how we see ourselves and it's our identity and it shatters any sense of who we believe or think we are because our reality and what we take on board as, as you know, our, our new identity and persona is a, for me personally, it was you're damaged, you're broken, you're disgusting, you're dirty. And the words that people spoke over me was unlovable, unwanted, stupid. So I took that on board. And when, when we do experience trauma, that becomes our new sense of who we are, that shattered, dysfunctional, uh, sh ashamed because our silence keeps us trapped in that place yes. of shame. Um, and that's that's the lens with which we see every person and every situation. And that is why with no self-confidence and no self-esteem, I continually put myself in situations with very, very abusive relationships. I continued to be sexually assaulted by many partners. And I guess you hear people say, why didn't you just leave? And I left many, many times. <laughs> But I went straight but, back to it because it's all I knew. Yes. It, it's like a track record that gets stuck in the subconscious of your brain. So you're not necessarily conscious. But that track record keeps saying, I'm not worthy of anything better. This is what I should expect. Uh, and sub, your subconscious rules out any conscious thought about the relationships you get into because of what happened in your childhood. Mm, and, and the part that people don't understand, as a child, your secure attachment is destroyed. Yes. So because my parents didn't protect me and they were unaware of what was going on and they brought that danger into my home, I never developed that secure attachment that you do when you're in a healthy uh, family environment. So I didn't 
uh, I didn't see the red flags. I had no in, uh, discernment that, hang on, this person may not be good for you or hang on, this situation's not safe for you, Renee. I was oblivious to the natural signs that children that are brought up in a happy, healthy, nurturing home would normally pick up on with ease. And in and, and going back to Maria's conversation earlier in the show, uh, it, it's about the um, vulnerabilities that it sets up in your life that you, you, you can't do anything about until you step out of that and start to do the work on yourself that leads to healing. Um, and that's where you are working currently, isn't it, Renee? Mm, exactly, exactly. And, you know, when, we, when we're talking about the trauma space, and this is, this is often an aha moment for the ladies that, that I speak to, and even, even on social media and the, and the free training that I offer and the lives that I do, yes. the one thing that I make very, very clear is trauma is not the event that happens to us. Trauma is the way that our brain makes sense of that event. Yeah. That's why three people can experience the same thing and all have absolutely totally different reactions to that. Some people just get up and keep going. Other people, it, it, it harms and it becomes a deep-seated part of their pain internally. And trauma is, has, you know, it, we have come forward leaps and bounds, absolutely, but we still have to get better at teaching people what it does to your brain and body and how it sits in your nervous system. And that's where I start when I coach women today. And it and it also impacts on that uh, intuition and that voice that would protect you normally. Can you explain to our listeners, Renee, how it affects that that intuition that mm. would normally protect you and your body, um, and why that happens? Absolutely. So if you can imagine back in the day, you know, you had your, your cavemen, your hunters and gatherers, and the men were in primal state all the time when they went hunting. They were just waiting to be charged at by a wild beast and to protect their family and to go out and hunt and kill that animal. So that hypervigilance, you know, the adrenaline's coursing through your body. Well, when you go through trauma, that, that hypervigilance, that fear. So I was abused for six years sexually, physically, and emotionally on a regular occasion, not just in my own home, but in my own bed, at parties, you know, at, at friends' houses, at family members' houses. So I was constantly at that elevated state, you know, of, oh, you know, I would jump at noises, you know, things yes. that normally people wouldn't even notice. So crisis became my normal. So if I walked into a situation and it was utter chaos, if I went to somebody's house and people were fighting and drinking and it was loud, I felt comfortable. I was like, oh, yeah, this is normal. That was my baseline. So where other people would even maybe hear that walking past that house and go, oh, I don't want to go in there because their normal is very different. Different. And that's why... Uh, child abuse is such a messes people up so fundamentally because often it's perpetrated in your childhood years when you are developing um, your your brain is still developing and it's developing in a dysfunctional uh, environment and so there you go into adulthood with dis dysfunctional thoughts, dysfunctional thinking, and it takes lots of people a lot of time to realise just 
that dysfunction and how it impacts on your lives. And I know from Renee's experience, and it is the same in my experience, that I went into my 20s and thought it was acceptable for uh, people to abuse me because that's what I was used to. Mm. That was my normal. And you don't realise that it's abnormal and still and until you start to gain that um, understanding about what happened to you and until you take on the fact that, oh, okay, so that's not really normal, is it? And that can take many, many years, can't it, Renee? It took yep. you a long time as well? It did. It took me 16 years, Tony, from the moment that I spoke for the first time at, at age 26 about what had happened to me and actually confided or even had somebody in my life that I could confide in. Uh, and that was another 16 years from that day yeah. where before I could really stand on my two feet and look at you in the eye, hand on heart, and say, I am healed and whole. And it's four, yeah. four, four steps forward, three steps back, 10 forward, yeah. 20 back. Um, and yeah. it's not all bad days. It's not all terrible. But it's like any journey that we're on of self-discovery and repairing anything and changing any habit. That's something that I've lived with for twenty, ah, uh, for you know, sixteen years. So it's not yeah. going to change overnight. It was a journey, and um, you know, it, it was an, a massive learning experience. And it was all about repairing myself from the inside out. Yeah. Renee, can I ask who you spoke to first and what their relationship to you was? It's really bizarre story, Tony. So I, I had Good. tried my whole life to get to get well, to get better, to break this pattern. I, I wasn't happy. I didn't like being beaten up and taking advantage of. Yeah. So I would, you know, move out of that house and think that I'd just found awesome friends at the nightclub that night. Yay, I'll move in with you because I was homeless. So if someone yeah. gives you an invitation like that, you're going to jump at it. And then, of course, within a day or two, I would look around and go, okay, nobody's got a job, they're dealing drugs, they're bikies, but I was in it by then. You know, I was yeah. stuck. Yeah. So I, again, that was that cycle, you know, that, that you're in time and time again. And lo and behold, I'd tried everything. I, I had attempted suicide twice. Yeah. I'd have those really dark moments. And then when my daughter was born, I can remember Tony looking at her, looking down at her little face and saying, that's it, enough, this will never happen to you. And I opened yeah. the phone book and that yeah. Sunday I decided to go to church. Yes. And I had tried everything else, Tony. I'd tried every drug. I'd tried every yes. avoidance technique. I'd tried meditation. I'd tried pretty much anything that I could in the hope that I would get well. And that day when I walked in there with my baby girl, there was survivors on the platform sharing their story. And wow. I was like, hang on, we don't talk about this stuff. This is shameful. This is yeah. stuff you sweep under the carpet. What are you doing? And they spoke from a place of empowerment and joy. They were healed and whole and people were applauding and crying. That yeah. was the moment that I went, hang on a minute, if this, uh, these ladies here are being supported and encouraged and I could see that there was something different about them. I could see they were the real deal, that they weren't making this stuff up. I was mm. like, maybe there's hope for me too. And that's why I absolutely now share my story with vigour and passion because I know what's riding on that. It's people's lives. Yes. Because people... Mm. 
again, that silence that surrounds these topics that uh, that people feel like they can't talk or tell mm. for shame and guilt that surrounds yeah. these uh, abuses. And, and that's yeah. why yeah. it continues to happen and it's why you mm. get stuck on a yeah. crash course to dysfunction mm. yourself. Yeah. So, so, so when I heard, sorry, darling, so when I heard those stories... Afterwards, I was like, oh, I want to come back here. There's something different here. And it took yeah. me a couple of times to turn up and realise these per- people weren't on some wacky drug that I was yet to discover. <laughs> and um, a pastor came up and introduced herself to me and we just started a conversation. She asked me if I'd like to go for a coffee. And I told yeah. her what was going on. I just broke down. No one had ever been that kind to me, let alone a total stranger. And I broke down and her response, Tony, was, Renee, what can we do for you? What do you need? I had never in 26 years had someone say, how can I help you? What do you need? Yeah. And so it was the the church that started your journey to healing? It was. It it, it was. No, I will reframe that. It was the people within the church. And I think that I know some people go, oh, what's the difference? And I'm very careful about this part because you know, a lot of people don't have great experiences with churches. Let's be honest. You know, it's everywhere we no, see. No, I would be one and, of those uh, people. <laughs> exactly. And what we have to remember and what I say yeah. to a lot of people that are interested about that journey was um, it's the people within the church that are good and it's the people within the church that are bad, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. the church, the more people, the more sinners. The church is the building, you know, so on, and then the yeah. we are the church, the people. Yeah. So... It definitely was the people. They were sincerely interested in how they could help me. They didn't dig. They didn't judge me. They didn't recoil in disgust like a lot of people do. I could feel their sincerity. And I was at that church for 15 years and it never changed, that sincerity. And I had never felt that before in my life. So what caused you to leave that church? Moved. I just moved away. Oh. We, um, I, I was in a very, very uh, narcissistic and abusive marriage at the time and it was basically my last-ditch attempt at, you know what, if you're not happy here, because I was so broken down at that point and desperate to make my marriage work, uh, I said, let's move away. Let's go to Queensland and rebuild our life and start from scratch. And he was all for that. So I was willing to literally give up the only real family I had ever had, the people that really cared about me, and all my support network in the desperate hope that it would save my marriage. And, and it didn't. Um, but, but that was the only reason that, that I stepped away. I am in my local church now, but that, that was why I left that one year. Renee, Violet wants to know, can we even make that repair, that healing, from that point of total dysfunction? Look, I, I can I can speak firsthand on that, obviously from my own experience and the countless women that I speak to every day and wholeheartedly we absolutely can make that repair. I have no uh, residual mental health issues whatsoever. I'm not on medication. I, am, I, I don't... Uh, walk now in that victim mentality or in that pain you know sure things come up for me now and again but I'm able to instantly identify and deal with that 
So absolutely, and there's, there's countless women and men all over the world yes. that are walking, talking truth stories that, yes, we can overcome this. Yeah. Um, Wednesday, uh, I hope I haven't pronounced that wrong, how did you know she was safe to break down to? So mm. stepping right back to that initial yeah. conversation, and, how did you know and again, this is something that, you know, you I can't quite explain it, but I will try. Yes. When when she came and just asked me, you know, hey, how are you? And we just had that general chit-chat. She, she took instant interest in my child and was talking yeah. to her. You could tell she was actually interested in me for me. Then she went yes. out of her way to us to take me and my baby for coffee. She was so gentle and kind and just, just yes. her way of relating to me disarmed me. Straight away. Yeah. Now, I, was, I still had massive trust issues, don't get me wrong, and that was definitely in the back of my mind. But I was so desperate. I had nothing to lose. I had nearly died twice. Yeah. I was willing to put everything on the line for this baby girl of mine. And if I had to walk across hot coals, it was worth trying in the hope that it would work. You know, the fear became a second issue, secondary issue. It was not the prominent issue anymore. I needed to do and I needed to trust someone, and why not start with this one person that was in front of me right then? Because the pain drives you to want to get away from it. So oh, if yeah. there's just the hint of kindness in the way that someone treats you, you will reach out to that and hang on in the hope that it's the answer to the end of the pain that you feel every day. And I always say to my girls, you know, when I have discovery calls with potential clients and part of that discovery call is really seeing where they're at. And let's, the, the fact of the matter is if the pain of staying the same person we are today is yep. not bigger than the risk of the what if, yep. people won't change. They'll, they'll stay with their mediocre. Mm -hmm. they will, they'll be like, oh, no. And I, because I had this child now, yep. that was it for me. Before I tried, but I would get tired and I'd go, oh, well, this is never going to work. It had to work. There was yep. no maybe it won't. It had to. So it was that determination and that commitment to do whatever it takes that, that really did get me over that initial but what if it was worth it for me. And, and yeah. it paid off. And it does. It does pay off if we can just hang in there. Yeah, and and the other thing too is when you start working and doing the work to heal, it's good to remember that you only have to break it down to getting through one minute at a time. And I know from my own struggles and, and healing journey that there were many, many times and stretching into weeks and months where mm. all I could do was take it one minute at a time, five minutes at a time, an hour at a time, mm -hmm. and that's all I could manage. Yeah. And yep. it's, important, that's it's important for people to understand that that's okay. No one, it's your journey, and you don't have to comply or reach anyone else's standards under, other than yourself. So if it's tough, then you want to break it down and slow it down. When it gets a bit easier, then you could go bounding ahead in your healing but when it's tough and hard, be kind to yourself, which leads me into the next thing I wanted to discuss with Renee, and that's about the common effects of abuse and what that looks like in your life. 
Mm. Now I'll I'll talk broadly and then then you know the, yes. the parallels with myself. So look, broadly we're looking at reoccurring patterns of behavior. So with child abuse primarily, it can be very um, risky type behaviors. So some people become quite promiscuous because for them it's about, well, I've had no control, I'm going to take it back. And they, they could develop a sex addiction, uh, addiction or porn addictions because they go, no, I'm going to be in the driver's seat. I'm not going to have someone hurt me. I'm going to be, I'm going to take over here. Yeah. For me, I went the other way. I became terrified of intimacy, physical touch, and, and men. So I retreated within myself. So sex for me for the majority of my adult life was, was fearful. It was not something I was interested in, and it did cause me a lot of issues because I felt like there was something sincerely wrong with me for being that way, okay? And then you've got the same patterns of behavior. So a lot of the women I talk to, and this is why we talk about safety planning, they miss yeah. the, the, those deep mindset blocks that, that I was talking to you about the other day, Tony, is that they don't yes. even know they're there. You listen to yes. these ladies talk and then you, you pick it up straight away when you know what you're looking for because you've been there, you've walked that journey. And they're so self-flagellating. You know, they, they heap all this shame and responsibility for what happened to them as a child. And then they take it into uh, a marriage. So I was in a narcissistic marriage for 15 years. The guilt that I felt, here I am, a professional that deals with this stuff and helps other people to not do those things that I myself was doing. When we're stuck yeah. in our own situation, we have blinders on and we become yeah. very desensitized to the way that people speak to us, the way that people talk to us. And we just fall into that old pattern. So trust is a big one. Some people trust too easily and have zero boundaries, become people pleasers and put other needs yes. before their own. Yeah. Or perfectionism. I have to work harder than everybody else just to be worthy and enough. I have to do it perfectly. If I don't yes. do it perfectly, I'm a failure. I, I'm not worthy of anything. I'm a failure. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you've got your lack of confidence, which is your overarching, isn't it? And that's your identity yeah. stuff that really that, – that's the first point for me is I always say to a woman, who are you? And for me, Tony, I didn't know and I never had a role model. So a big point in my healing yeah. was a real pivotal moment for me was I stopped looking and thinking about what I didn't have growing up and I started thinking about what I and who I wanted to become and I started to model my life on the people that I started to surround myself with at that church that made me feel good, that had character strengths that I looked up to and I could see that, hang on, they've got something special about them. I want to be like that. How did they do that? So that's what I built my identity on, not what I didn't have in the past but what I wanted to be then and in the future. Absolutely. And we can't talk about this subject and the effects of abuse without talking about uh, boundaries. And we've talked with Maria earlier in the program about boundaries, so I think it's important that we reiterate that conversation about boundaries and why they're important. Yeah, and, and do you know I didn't even know what a boundary was, Tony? Yeah. I had someone say to me, so I'd had the birth of my daughter, I was starting my healing and I got my first um, community welfare role because that was all of a sudden I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life when I embarked on that healing journey. I was working in a rehabilitation centre for young women 
And the, the psychotherapist came up to me one day and she goes, what are you doing? I was doing my work and everybody else's. And I was, it appeared, really happy with it. I'll do that for you. Yeah, I'll do that for you. She said, you have zero boundaries. My response, what is a boundary? Offense. Yeah. I had just no idea what she was talking about. She had to actually sit down and break it down to me, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that I had been doing. And as soon as she pointed out to me that I had a right to say no and that if somebody didn't like that, well, tough luck, that that wasn't on me, that they were actually responsible for the way they responded, that was life-changing yeah. to me. And boundaries is the one of the most favorite things that I help women and teach on because it was a life-saving revelation for me. I became assertive. I became happy. And it didn't. I, I didn't only start respecting myself with those boundaries, but that also shows the other person that you respect them enough to tell them where you stand, where what they can expect, and for you to both have that reciprocal relationship together. So boundaries is a big, big one, and and it absolutely saved my mental health, well-being, and and my relationships going forward. Uh, I have to agree with you, Renee. Um, learning how to set boundaries. <laughs> well, firstly, learning. I too didn't have any idea about boundaries. I was, um, as a lot of women I talk to are. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can uh, help you with this. Uh, my One of my key things in life is helping. So I like to help people. Um, I'm a people pleaser. But that does, if you give and give and give and give and are never getting anything back, it's that whole cup analogy. You c- cannot give from a cup that is empty. You have to fill your cup first Mm. and it's about understanding and realizing what fills your cup up so for me um the things that fill my cup up are quiet time alone uh half an hour with the goats uh talking to my dog wandering around my garden those things fill my cup so that I in turn can give back to other people which I love to do so Mm. for you Renee what does what what's in your cup what's in my cup that I love to give out or what's in my cup that helps me sustain myself so I can do both both. so my my big thing is time with my children it always re-energizes and refreshes me they are, they are fun, we have a great time together and they're the best things that I've ever done with my life. So when I just stop and I turn my phone off and I put everything aside and we sit down and we might watch Friends reruns or yes. we might go for a walk on the beach, just stopping, turning everything else off and being present. So that for me definitely does fill me up. Self-care was a big, uh, really hard for me to learn. It was one oh, of the hardest things for me to learn and and to do now regularly as a routine I'm much better at it but sometimes I forget and I'm like why am I feeling a little bit fatigued and starting to feel a little bit resentful here which is the thing that happens when we don't have boundaries right and that's a good way for our listeners to identify if you start to feel resentful about any person anything or any event that's happening in your life then understand where that's coming from Mm, do yeah, you agree, like, Renee? Yeah, 
it's like, why does that person think that they can just, why do they, and it's like, well, because you may be giving them, and this is a great analogy and this is something, I'm a very visual learner. So when I teach boundaries, I say, think of your house, you lock your door at night, you close your windows, you might even have a fence and a front gate. Now that's to keep people who aren't invited in out and you safe inside. It's the same as our own body and property and personal space. If you came home one day and a stranger was sitting on your couch having a cup of tea, you would not sit down and join them. You would call the police and try to get them out of there, right? But we leave the front door of our own body and property and minds and space and time way open. So people are just going to stride on in and make themselves home because they think that you're okay with that. And the more you do it, the more they go, oh, this is awesome. So we think of it as perimeter fencing. It's not being rude. This is you keeping your property safe, and that's your right. That's your innate right to do so. And it also extends to your personal space. Mm. Um, And something that I feel really passionate about, I like my personal space. I am a a hugging, physical type person, but on the flip side of that, there are often some people that I meet that step into that personal space boundary that make me feel really uncomfortable and I've had to learn, perhaps you've had to too, Renee, that it's okay to say, no, can you please back off you you're in my my space and that's okay and and that's actually a really interesting point that you bring up because I never realized uh when I was in that messy middle and still trying to sort out you know coming out of the mess and into a, a new season I never realized that I didn't respect people's personal space because nobody ever respected mine people Correct. had abused and violated me since I was 10 so yeah. I I would order something in McDonald's or speak to a someone in a shop and I would apparently, I had this pointed out by a good friend, lean right in. Yeah. And, and you know, and they apparently were leaning back. Now, I missed the cues because I was oblivious and this friend said to me one day, why do you do that? I said, do what? And they explained the situation. I was horrified at the thought yeah. that I was making somebody else feel uncomfortable. And now... Being out of the other side of that, the moment someone breaches my personal space, internally yep. it's like ding, 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 ding. Because, like I said, once you get healed and come out of the other side, your inner psyche, your internal barometer, your discernment, it does go, hang on, this is not safe, this is not okay, yep. there's something wrong here, and you pick up on it straight away. Once you learn those things and you become self-aware. And that's what healing does. That's the gift of healing. And and conversely, it's one of the most important things to teach your children. And yes, I passionately believe that we need to teach our children about boundaries and personal space. And it, I'm not saying that it will protect a child in every instance because there always is going to be bad people out there but they stand so much more they stand a better chance if they're really empowered to protect their personal space With no you show cannot just touch that, me. Right? <laughs> yeah sorry renee 
that we could do a whole show just on that one nugget of gold. I I was teaching my three-year-old, Cassidy, when she was three years old, we taught her how to dry herself so that nobody touched her in that area. And my friends were like, oh, my gosh, she's so over the top. Now, once yeah, I know them why, you know, in my day, children ran around naked and it was cute and everybody had to hug yeah. Uncle Bill and kiss Aunt Gladys and I had to sit on everyone's yeah, no. lap. People would bath me yes. and uncle and auntie and, and that's what it was like. And if you didn't hug Aunt, Uncle Bill, you were a rude child. Yes. I did that to my children. So from the age of three, my daughter learned, we taught her how to do that herself. Yep. And um, we were there with her, obviously, but we taught her how to do it yep. herself. That was normal to her. Right. Now, what happens to a child that is brought up that way, if anybody touches an area that's even remotely close to an area that has never been touched by anybody yes. else, it is a physiological response that goes off within their body where they go, oh, oh, this doesn't feel right. Danger. And they are much Danger. more likely to say something and go to a parent and avoid that person. So we have to be giving our children permission and a voice to follow their own internal radar and choose. And if they don't want to kiss Uncle Bill, no way should they have to kiss and cuddle people that they don't want to. By doing that, we switch off a child's protective mechanism and set them up for something bad to happen. Not saying something bad will happen, but if at least you've taught them those fundamentals of personal space and boundaries, and then that goes with them throughout life, and it's so incredibly important, Renee. Every individual deserves to be empowered, and it must start in childhood. Yeah. So... I've got, I've got some questions and comments coming through. Um, Zara says, how can we know what we are? And Zara, I'm so sorry. I didn't see your question until now, so I just need a little bit more clarification think, if you're still I listening. I did just, up, Tony. So yeah? I think it was when we were talking about, you know, the, the, the uh, prevalence of um, the side effects of what happens when we're abused. Some people it's this, yes. some people it's that. Um, yes. How can we know what we are? Look, it's one of those things where self self um, awareness really comes into play. And when you are an abuse survivor, you often haven't gotten to the point where you've worked that out yet. And that's what I do in my coaching programs. We sit down and we look at patterns of behavior and we just have a conversation and it becomes very, very clear what I was going to say. Yep. I didn't realize until I started my own therapy and in talking to my psychologist, Almost from the get-go, one of her questions to me was, were you abused as a child? Um, And because when you're describing your life path and what's gone on in your life path, there are very clear indicators that something has happened in your childhood. Mm. And those things include, as Renee said before, promiscuity promiscuity, uh, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, violent relationships, uh, risk-taking, self-harm, that's just to name a few. And not saying that if you have those things in your life, you have been abused, but they often point to something in the background. Would you agree, Renee? Yeah, yeah. and I've just seen Zara reframe her question, actually. Good. Uh, when you were talking about you are a people pleaser, 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that Zara's asking do whether we know that you, we're pleased or not. Yeah. yeah. Look, if for me it was if someone asked me something, even if I knew deep down inside it was not my duty and I did not want to do it, it was and I had to say yes. I was terrified of saying no. I was terrified of yeah. if they'd angry because I couldn't deal with conflict. I'd been beaten up yep. since I was a kid. So loud voices, any type of conflict, I would shut down. So I would feel myself unable to say no and then that person would go away and I'd be upset, I'd be overwhelmed because I've just agreed to do something that I have not the capacity to do. I'd be angry and I would constantly Present. get myself into situations that I was like, oh, my gosh, I've done it again. It takes, Zara, it, it takes a long while to identify some of these traits and often that's facilitated by those quiet time alone, walking along the beach, uh, taking a walk in nature, those sort of things will come to you in those times rather than right at the instant until you get used to knowing what that's about. I know when I was still working as a nurse in operating theatres, I would say yes to taking on call when I'd already been on call for seven days straight because someone was sick. Now, I was in not a position to physically emotionally or any other way take on that additional call but I still said yes because I wanted to please the boss I didn't want to be seen as someone who didn't uh, help other people so that's people pleasing and so I just want to go back up to um, James James's comment and James says my girl has been straightforward all the time she will tell you like it is lately people say she has been being more forward with it do you think she is seeing others without rose-colored glasses more these days or do you think that the others notice that she is not taking the crap as much from others and they think she is being mean so james i don't think your daughter's being mean i just think she's discovering as the rest of us do throughout life about boundaries and she's sticking to those boundaries and the people that don't like her sticking to those boundaries, they're the ones with the problem, not necessarily your 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 girl. Would you agree, agree Renee? Yeah, absolutely. And she's found her voice. I mean, that's yes. gold. That's what we want our children to be confident and feel safe enough because that's a huge thing. She obviously Same. feels very secure in herself and in, in you and, and her family and her support network to go, you know what, I can say I don't like that and I'm going to say it. So nurture that. Of course, if it gets gets to the point like my children could do now and then at that uh, yeah, at quite a young age where they did it in quite a disrespectful way, yeah. we start teaching that's... them about communication. But that thing there, that's gold. Oh, Nurture that gold. and give yourself a pat on the back for that one. That's great. Yeah, James, that that is really good. And, and again, if she's not being disrespect, disrespectful but rather being firm, then, yeah, go with that. That's really good. So Mari's just commenting, can you describe abused as a child? What would be considered abuse? How would we remember or know that we've been abused in any way? Do you want to answer that one, Renee? 
Yeah, look, Marie, this is something, and it was what I was saying uh, earlier about trauma, okay, the, the word abuse and the word trauma, that you can go to the, the medical journal or you can just look at the basic facts, okay? If there's been any psychological home uh, distress or harm, we're talking verbal abuse, we're talking neglect, we're talking anything that jeopardizes the safety, well-being, health of a child. Okay, so my mum used to go out all night on a Friday night and just leave me at home when I was 11 years old so she could go out and party. That's considered childhood abuse because anything could have happened to me. That was severe neglect. Okay, so when you talk about how would we remember or know we were abused in any way, this is a bit of a tricky one because it is. you have to be careful here because some people, and this is why counselling, traditional counselling can at times, if not done properly, can be very harmful. This regression and digging and, and trying to, you know, possibly poke in areas that are not ready to be poked in can be very, very damaging. So if you're exhibiting behaviour, emotions, feelings, and it's impairing your day-to-day -day functioning and your emotions, it's worth just going and talking to someone about it anyway, whether or not it's caused by abuse or something else that's happened and causing you distress. Mm -hmm. It's worth going and talking to somebody. Don't suffer in silence. If you know that something's because affecting you, you, you need to find out how to get through that. Trauma in someone's life doesn't necessarily equate to child um, abuse or being abused as a child, it may just be a traumatic situation, a traumatic event that your mind and body hasn't quite dealt with. So as Renee says, it's very important to talk to someone qualified that can help you work out what, what that is in your life. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anne wants to know, how many people see abuse in different ways. So how would we know if our childhood is still affecting us? Another well, one for it, you, Renee. Yeah, I think, well, I think that's very similar to, to what Marie's, what Marie's yes. you know, trying to decipher. It, it's not about trying to decipher, oh, that happened, was that abusive? Or, or It's looking at your present state today. If you are not thriving, if you are having something that's impairing, that's limiting your potential, that's affecting the way that you see the world, yourself, the way that you function, go and talk to somebody. Let the rest come as, as you go through that process. Yeah. If it's still affecting you, you, you will know. We, go, we do denial. We could have coping mechanisms that are very negative. If you know that you're not living the life that you want, and that you know it's not healthy and it's affecting you negatively, you need to holding something's holding you back, then just like reach out. Any of the guests that have been on Radio Tony that work in this area of trauma and trauma recovery. So today you've got Renee and Maria who've both worked in that those realms. But any of our other guests that are the healers or psychologists, um, any of those sorts of people will help you start to look at what it is in your life that's causing you not to live your best life. Does that make sense? James just is clarifying when he says my girl, he means his girlfriend, and I would <laughs> the answer would still be the same. Absolutely. As my long as she's not doing it. The fact that I've found my yes. voice. <laughs> yes. I, I, for women, 
it's not something inherent for us. For women, sometimes it takes us a long time to figure out our voice and how to use it and to set up those boundaries. For me, it took me till I was over 50 to do that. Mm. So for Renee, it took her till you were like maybe your 30s, Renee. Yeah, it, it did. And and I, I love the fact, James, that you said, you know, are other people going to think that she's being mean? Possibly, but they're not her people. What matters at the end of the day is that she's safe, well, assertive, and she knows what she knows, what she will and won't accept. So nurture that, embrace that, and I think I think yeah. your your girlfriend's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, James. Um, Missy says, "How do we know if we are ready to poke that beehive?" What a great question, Missy. Mm. What do you reckon, Renee? Look, it is diff- there. There is no cookie cutter therapy approach or answer or situation. We all process, yeah. like I said before, it's about how our mind makes sense of what happened. And it, it doesn't have to be abuse. It could be grief. You could have to move and leave all your friends behind when you were young. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a gamut of things. But I yes. knew I was ready because my life was not anywhere near where I wanted it to be. I had aspirations. I had dreams. I wanted to be, look, at the very basic level, I wanted to be happy. Yeah. I didn't want to live in fear all the time and confusion. Um, So for me, my daughter, like I said, was the turning point. But if you know, if you have that, oh, every night you put your head on your pillow and you, and this is the thing, we know in our heart of hearts, we really do, but we run away. So if you, if you think, if you even wonder, maybe it's time, I would encourage you to, you know, listen to podcasts, surround yourself with he- uh, with happy, healthy people that make you feel safe and well. Take time out to be kind to yourself. And there is, like you said, Tony, there is a, so many resources out there. Look for resources that connect with you. Don't try to figure it all out. But you really need to weigh up, like I said before, the pain of staying the same or taking the risk and, fi- and going and talking to someone and okay, you, you, you are valued. You, you deserve a happy life at the end of the day. I was just going to say, if you've never experienced joy, a true joy and happiness in your life, then for me that points to needing to work something out because I know that I didn't know what true joy and happiness was uh, until my mid-40s. So that's a long time to live without experiencing joy and happiness. And when I talk about joy and happiness, I mean that wonderful, effervescent, bubbly, lightheaded, glorious feeling of gratefulness and joy. If you've never experienced that, then start looking at, at, at you and start working on you. And again, it's really simple. Just start listening to... Uh, podcast, start listening to radio, start reading, and you will find a way and you'll find things that, that resonate. And when I use the word resonate, that means that it, it you feel good about it. If if something doesn't feel good, if you're reading something and it, you, it just makes you feel yuck, then most likely that's not right for you or it might be causing you to think a little deeper and start poking that beehive as yeah. Missy says 
And you also need to just be kind and gentle and start slowly with any type of healing, self-discovery or inquiry about ourselves and we haven't gone to that place before, baby steps. Yeah, so don't you know go all in to start with because you don't you don't know what's on the other side of that. So just be aware, be safe, do it safely, slowly, and very all else, take care of yourself. So you've heard Renee and Maria and me. So mine was like a twenty year journey. Maria was like an eighteen year journey. Renee was like at least a ten year journey. We're talking long time frames to get yourself sorted when there's been uh, trauma in your background. Um, and it's not, it, when we say hard work, there will be periods of time where it's hard work. There will be other periods of time where it just brings you such joy and clarity and understanding and suddenly you'll go, oh, oh my God, I get it. Oh, my God, I understand. And those moments will uh, make the hard parts of the journey worthwhile. And then when you get on the other side and you look back and see what you've done, where you've been and what your journeys be like, that's something to be proud of. That's something to look back and think, wow, I actually did that. I started doing started looking at myself I started figuring out myself and look where I am now I've got better quality relationships I've got better people in my life I understand about boundaries I can talk without shaking um, when I talk about my story those sort of things point to healing and understanding um, of what's gone on in our life don't you think Renee? I do, and, and, and Tony, that's why I called my book Battle Scars Are Beautiful because yes. when I came out the other side of it, I was able, I actually do embrace my past. They have made me a kick-ass parent. Yes. They have made me an amazing friend. I am grateful for the tiniest little silly things. You know, I've, I've been yes. home, so the fact that I can turn on a tap or go and have a hot shower, really yes. simple things. I truly do believe that our past, our struggles, our adversities can be used to make us the absolute best, fiercest, strongest, unstoppable version of ourselves. And I, I, my partner said this one day, he goes, would you change anything if you could go back in time? And I said, absolutely not. Now, I be aware, I wish none, none of that happened. Don't get me wrong there, yeah. you know. Um, but where I am today with my children and my story and helping women, I love, I live every day with passion, with excitement. I look forward to what's ahead. Um, it doesn't mean I don't have problems. Life has it, it's been hard because life is life. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I'm always real about that when I'm on social media. You know, I share what's and all, and I, and I did in the book as well. But I can stand at a place where I go, wow, this yeah. is in me to help other women find their freedom this has enabled me to bring up children that are socially aware and kind and generous and I would not trade that for anything uh, and uh, I agree one of the biggest gifts of doing all this work is to be able to give people um, women in particular a light at the end of the tunnel and hope that life can be better because I know in my worst darkest most horrible times 
I didn't think there was any light left in the world. I didn't think that there was a way out of the darkness. I didn't think that there was life beyond the pain. And I would have done anything to know some of the people that I know now and have the light shone on my darkness and know that, that I would, if I kept just doing tiny steps at a time, that I would get through it, that I would heal, that life would be okay. And I wish I had someone to tell me um, back then that it was going to be okay. wasn't going to be okay the next day, wasn't even going to be okay the next week or the next five years, but eventually it would be okay. And I would look back on that time as learning, growing, understanding so that I now am in the position where I get to talk to you guys on Radio Tony every week. Mm-hmm. I get to interview people like Maria and Renee and I get to help you understand how you can have a better life what a wonderful gift and I I know that Renee feels exactly the same way it's my purpose it's my calling It, it invigorates me it has given an absolute depth to my life that I I could not have had before. I see things as beautiful. And the biggest gift by sharing our story, it it saved my life, Tony, hearing those ladies that day being so bold and brave. That that was, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but, oh, my gosh, I am now doing that very same thing. And the reason that I do what I do is if it saves one life, then it's worth it. If it gives hope to one person. Exactly. You know, then, it, then it's worth it. You know, it, it's to save lives. We, we don't do this for any it other is. reason to save lives. Yeah. Because as I said, in back in that dark black moment that I was in, I clearly, clearly remember what that felt like. And I like to not uh, focus on that, but I like to remember that because I know that if you're listening to Radio Tony now and you're in that dark, horrible place, Renee, Maria and I can all tell you that eventually it'll be okay, yeah. that eventually you'll get there. Yeah, it's and always there, before the dawn, isn't that, Tony? Yeah, and that there is help. There's people that they're willing to help you on your journey. There's resources, there's books, there's websites. Just start searching and you will find because that very act of putting action behind what you want to achieve starts you on that journey. And all you have to do is start. All you have to do is start. You don't have to worry about the end. You don't have to worry about what the journey looks like. You just have to start. It's all you have to do. Exactly. And and you are not alone. And that's something that I, that I scream yep. from every stage and every podcast. You know, the biggest thing that I felt growing up was totally isolated and alone, which added to the shame. And, and shame was the part that destroyed me most of all. Shame was what drove me to suicide. Um, I yes. couldn't shake that. That was the hardest thing for me to shame, uh, to yes. lift was the shame part of this. And to lift, to put your hand in the air and say, I need help. I don't know. I don't know really what's happened to me, but I, I know that this is I'm not my best life. That is pure strength. I applaud it. I celebrate it, and we all do. That is what is courage to be admired. Absolutely, absolutely. Just simply asking for help. It's all you have to do. You don't have to analyze it. Know what it means. 
just know that you need help and ask for it. And it does take courage um, and it, and you just ha- just take a deep breath and go, I need help. That's right. And Value you work it out. To do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we're running out of time again. Yes. It's such a fast-moving show. I've skipped all our breaks and um, kept Renee on longer than I anticipated, but it's been such a wonderful conversation. Before we run out of time, I just want to point out the difference between shame and guilt, and I refer back to Brene Brown's work yeah. on shame and guilt because they're two very different concepts. Shame it will kill you. Guilt will help you become a better person. Um, and shame is that thing that causes you to want to die. It's that thing that wants you to keep you small. It's that thing that makes you want to curl up in a dark corner and retreat from the world. That's shame. Yeah, and, and shame tells you you are less than. Guilt yes. is a natural response to, oh, maybe something wasn't right there and maybe I could do it better next time. Okay, shame is telling you you're not good enough and you are always good enough. We all are. Shame reflects on on you. Guilt is about a behaviour. So uh, you forget to ring your best friend on her birthday. It's better that you feel guilt around that than shame because guilt will cause you to adapt and make yourself better. Shame will have you in a corner feeling like you can't do anything right. Very important concepts to grasp and very different um, outcomes in people's life. And to go back to Renee, and and Renee has similar background to mine, Um, my first suicide attempt was at 15 and that was everything to do with shame. And I didn't know back then as that 15-year-old how to get myself out of that place and I didn't discover that for a very long time. So, uh, again, listen, for anyone who's listening, all you have to do is hear something from this program and go, okay, I want to make a change. I don't know where to start. Reach out. Renee, Maria, myself, any of us can point you in the right direction or help. And in Renee and Maria's case, you can jump on a call. You don't have to be in Australia to talk to Renee. You don't have to be in America to talk to Maria. Um, They talk across the world to many people and you'll see their contact details in the chat box um, for the show. And know that there is help out there, know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And in talking about this stuff, if we've triggered anything in you today, please reach out and talk to someone. Please reach out, talk to Renee or Maria, jump on the phone with them and just start that process. Don't stay in that cold, dark place where you think that there's nothing good in life. Just do a small step, reach out, raise your hand, say I need help. We are just about out of time. We've got one minute left. I cannot believe that we've talked all that time and talked straight through all the breaks. Thank you to our listeners today. Thank you very much, Renee, for coming on the show today. Thank you, Maria, for being on the show. Um, Renee and I are looking to do some things in Australia in the future and who knows we we might even make it across the world yay uh, that would be great. <laughs> wouldn't it be great 
right. I, I have a dream of, of making it to America um, and Canada for some sort of US uh, yes. a tour towards the end of the year. So listen out for that. But to our listeners, you are the reason I come live on this show every week. Your questions, your interactions, you are wonderful people. And to leave you with this thought that you are worthy and you deserve an abundantly beautiful, happy life. And so that's it from me this week, your host, Tony Lontis. Tune in next week. Uh, we'll have more wonderful guests on Radio Tony. Thank you, Renee. Thank, Thank you, you, Maria. Everyone. And I'll see you all next week on Radio Tony. Same time. Bye now. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Radio Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom.